0: and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you.
1: Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have so much fun today. We're going to be talking about some true hardcore business uh, subjects today. We kind of, you know, mix things up on the program, but we're going to be going back to my heart, my passion, and be talking about marketing. And this is going to be so much fun. So please join me in welcoming Sheila Steinmark to our program today. Welcome. Thank you, Deb. I really am looking
2: forward to spending this time with you. We've always had so much fun when mm-hmm. we've been together that getting an opportunity to spend an hour with you has right. been a hot spot for
1: my week. Well, and, you know, normally we just talk about fun stuff. And so now we're really going to talk about fun stuff that's business stuff. So this will be great fun. But let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we'll really dive into this. So Sheila Rondo Steinmark is the CEO, CMO of MogXP LLC. As a marketing operations leader and innovator, Sheila has produced complex and highly recognized marketing initiatives from development through implementation, Having spent over 25 years in the agency arena, she has positioned her clients as global leaders by driving sales with creative and operational marketing segments. Before starting MogXP, Sheila worked for several marketing agency companies, including the in-house marketing agency of that little company called Anheuser-Busch, where she ran the largest mobile marketing program in the nation. She has worked with clients such as Anheuser-Busch, Vitamin Water, UPS, General Motors, Procter & Gamble, Kellogg's, and Sony. Before all of that, Sheila served in the Army. Sheila is a retired Army First Sergeant and a combat veteran from the First Gulf War. She served for 20 years from 1985 until her retirement in 2005, which included active duty for six years with the 101st Airborne Division out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and the 2nd Infantry Division out of Camp Casey, Korea, Korea, hello, Korea, and an additional 14 years in the Illinois Army National Guard. So again, welcome, Sheila. And of course, first and foremost, thank you so much for your service to our country. Um, you know, now having said that you must have started when you were four. <laughs> no wonder I would love to spend time with you. I know, I know, but it's true, right? Yeah. You know, there's no way that when you went in in 85, that you were that old, you know, no, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. and
2: I, I truly enjoyed my service. It mm-hmm. was my honor. Mm-hmm.
1: It was, you know, and, and it, you know as as we just talked about in your bio you have had quite the varied career so tell us a little bit how it is that you got from being in the army to you know all of this and how you discovered that this is your passion in
2: life well i fell into it it was a mistake i and i'm aging myself here but i applied to an ad in the newspaper
0: mm-hmm. i've I was, done that when mm-hmm. i was coming
2: off of active duty mm-hmm. and i was joining the guard mm-hmm. Um, I applied to a, an ad in the newspaper for Anheuser-Busch. I lived in St. Mm-hmm. Louis and that's where everybody wanted to work. Mm-hmm. So when I applied to it, it didn't say anything except it was an administrative manager position.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: the position happened to be for what at that time was called Bush Creative Services. Okay. And that was their in-house agency.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I worked in the admin, managing the secretarial group mm-hmm. and the the production assistants Mm -hmm. for a while. And they had a little program called the beer school and they were having logistical issues with Mm it. So. And you went, Ooh, I'm
1: an expert in logistical
2: issues. (laughs) Absolutely. And so at the time I was, you know, a a fairly low level manager. Mm -hmm. I walked in to some of the directors and threw my name into the hat and Mm -hmm. nobody paid any attention to me. And it's funny, the woman, of the, um, the woman who was running the company, mm-hmm. um, I, I made an appointment to see her, but her assistant was savvy enough that she booked it out a good week or so in advance mm-hmm. so that it gave time for the guys to find out that I had a meeting with her. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden, before there was truly a meeting, mm-hmm. the opportunity uh, presented itself. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a fleet of mobile marketing vehicles Mm -hmm. that traveled around the country. We Mm -hmm. did over 200 events a year
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and um, I took it from a two and a half million dollar program to a 21 million dollar department. Wow. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I went from just working on Anheuser-Busch business to working on Anheuser-Busch and the biggest project towards the end, I worked on vitamin water, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was prior to it being purchased by Mm Coca-Cola. So in hiring a lot of their brand ambassadors, mm-hmm. they became geo-marketing and field sales mm-hmm. for vitamin water and then, of course, Coca-Cola because mm-hmm. they were purchased for like $4.2 billion. I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then um, I also worked on UPS's since centennial anniversary. Mm-hmm. So we literally went to, I think, 26 countries and mm-hmm. then across the US, we did two tours mm-hmm. in over 52
1: weeks. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, of course, my first question, you know, when you talk about doing mobile things with Anheuser-Busch, is were the Clydesdales part of it? Absolutely. I did a (laughs) program that was called Clydesdale Across
2: America, Mm -hmm. where we built out two mobiles, sent them Mm -hmm. to opposite Mm coasts, and then they worked their way back so that the 4th of July, they were on the Eads Bridge Mm -hmm. between St. Louis. Um, and actually, Missouri mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Illinois, between St. Louis and East St. Louis, okay. uh-huh. and it was fabulous. But it was a salute to the to the heroes.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it, and, and of course, Anheuser Busch has always been yes. incredibly. Patriotic, yes. um, you know, and and uh, you know, and and I mean, like things like their their nine eleven ad that ran once, um, you know, things like that. I mean, oh, I just got chills, um, you know, and and you know, and I mean, it's just fun to see the horses. It's always been fun to see their advertising campaigns, um, you know. And I say that as someone who's from Colorado, that has the other beer company. <laughs> you know, there's you know, there's Imagine lots of these that. little guys, but yeah, you know, there's there's Anheuser Busch, and then there's Coors. Um, um, you know, and and so, but it's, it's always been fun because, you know, even though they were obviously clearly very direct competitors, two totally different ways that they operated.
2: Very much so. Very much so. And I had so much fun working at Anheuser-Busch. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did the the Here's to the Heroes program, mm-hmm. which was the Clydesdales Across America, mm-hmm. I worked with a gentleman um, by the name of Rocky Sickman. Mm-hmm. And Rocky was one of the marines he was a marine sergeant mm. who was one of the hostages held in iran wow and you want to talk about an honorable man mm. who just you talk about chills mm-hmm. um the time that i spent with him after after being a combat veteran and, mm-hmm. and getting an opportunity to do a program like that, I got to go places that I would have never mm-hmm. dreamed of going. You talk about the Clydesdales. I mean, mm-hmm. we went to the Olympics and we stayed mm-hmm. in the same place as the Clydesdales. Mm-hmm. And my daughter at the time was 18 months old. Oh, and mm-hmm. I remember her waddling behind mm-hmm. the um, the Clydesdales. Mm-hmm. And she of course couldn't ride them, so instead mm-hmm. they kind of held her on the Dalmatian. They didn't right. have to mm-hmm. put her weight mm-hmm. on her. but but she then followed the Dalmatians around for the rest ah. of the Olympics. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. A lot of people don't realize that there are actually multiple teams of horses and you know and in several different places throughout the united states you know they they've got one of the, the at least one team maybe two teams in fort collins colorado um, you know and and uh, but we do think of them as as being you know the, the home base there in, in st louis because they are but um, but yeah you know i've i've certainly seen the Clyde sales in person numerous times and you know i grew up around big draft horses but still you see them, and you see all when when they have their finery on, the bells, you know, and, and all of those, and it's just like oh,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: it's just always so cool. They the Clydesdales
2: live better than a lot of people mm-hmm. do. Oh so yeah, I've I've seen their stables. About, yeah, mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. are concerned about oh putting dogs on or horses on shows and and all of that. Mm-hmm. These animals are taken mm-hmm. such great care of. Mm-hmm. I was at a a show. And one of the Clydesdales wasn't feeling well, and they literally put them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: put the the Clydesdale mm-hmm. on a plane and mm-hmm. flew it home.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's clearly a big investment, um, you know. And and but the the people who work with them spend many many hours training them. Um, you know, it's not you know if for people who haven't been around horses of any type, I mean, they don't just do that. You know, they, it it does take a lot of training, and especially with the Clydesdales, you know because you know, you know depending on how many are are in the team i mean you know it's it's a complicated process you i mean that the 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 team you know the the leader i mean he's sometimes got eight horses or more that he, that he's trying to control i actually got to ride On the Clydesdale Hitch and the
2: Calgary Stampede. Oh, how fun. One of the highlights of my career. Mm -hmm. It was was fabulous. Mm -hmm. But they are so well-trained. But Anheuser-Busch does everything first rate. Mm -hmm. When when I was there, um, the leadership that we received, the Mm -hmm. training that we received... And the opportunities that we got were second to none. Right. And so I feel very fortunate. You want to talk about passion. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to soak that in and mm-hmm. truly learn that level of excellence mm-hmm. that, that there was no skimping on mm-hmm. anything. It was either done right, or mm-hmm. it wasn't done. Right. And so I got to take my military background of that phenomenal training and put mm-hmm. it with that Anheuser-Busch training mm-hmm. and to combine them to say, okay, this is the standard. Mm-hmm. This is, how it's done and while we can adjust as Mm -hmm. needed because it is operations Mm -hmm. and logistics and things do happen it's it's Mm -hmm. live um you can also look at understanding that the first show has to be as in the same quality of Mm -hmm. the very last show Mm -hmm. so when i am training people and i'm hiring one of the things i look for is can you make me smile in 30 seconds Mm -hmm. Because if you can't make me smile in 30 seconds of an interview, Mm -hmm. when you are trying to make me like you, Mm -hmm. what are you going to be like after 200 days on the road? Mm -hmm. Um, This is the 10th hour of the last day of the Mm -hmm. trip, and it's 95 degrees out. Mm
1: -hmm. Can you make me smile? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me when we're talking about this is pretty much through your career, at least, you know, the, the a good portion of it, you have been a very strong leader woman in a very male dominated area. I mean, you know, clearly the army is, is incredibly male dominated. Um, and, you know, and, and, let's be honest, you know, Anheuser-Busch, you know, and, your and, company. yeah, yes. yeah. You know, it's, it is very male dominated also. So, you know, how, how has that been in being that, you know, and, and I mean, you know, it's, we've, we've talked about this before, you know, in, in just chatting, how is it to, to be a, a female in that role? Well, you have to hold your ground.
2: Mm -hmm. So I don't look for any favors because I'm a female. Mm -hmm. Um, I still did the things the guys did. The the guys in the army, I was going through a leadership course and and the one advantage I got was I knew which land nav post was mine because it was Mm -hmm. the one with the snake tie on it. I mean, those types Mm -hmm. of things, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't meant as harassment. It was you're, you're one of us. Mm-hmm. And you and can take huge. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I could take it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have a choice when it came mm-hmm. to it. I needed to do the same things, the mm-hmm. guys, which meant if I needed to run six miles a day, I ran six miles a day. Mm-hmm. Now, I ended up with horrible knees over it, but uh-huh. I ran six miles a day.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, but I also had fabulous mentors, and both in the army and in at Anheuser busch uh-huh. running a fleet of vehicles, no less. Uh-huh. I had I had guys who didn't like me being there. I had um, a business card flicked at me one day and told me to spec my own. Effing generator. Oh, well, us is, mm-hmm. you know, spending 20 years in the army. Mm-hmm. I did know you knew guys, what to do, uh-huh. but I also had support of some of the other guys. I had mm-hmm. this retired um, army master sergeant who just adopted me. I remember mm-hmm. him coming up to me, and of course, you know, it's taboo now, but mm-hmm. you know what? Between friends, he walked up, he put his arm around me, and he said, Girl, I got you back. Mm-hmm. And of course, and we
1: think of master sergeants as being the most gruff rub, 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 in exactly. the world.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And and he would not let me fail. Mm-hmm. So he always had my back. Mm-hmm. I had leaders who had my back. I had team members that that always were there for me mm-hmm. and gave the extra mile because they were going to prove everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. I had clients who took an opportunity oper- who, who took a chance and gave mm-hmm. me opportunities where they had to sign off on me. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's, it's not just women supporting women, you Mm -hmm. know, men support and champion women as well. I also had some fabulous women role models Mm -hmm. too. I had a master sergeant in, in a combat zone when I was in, in Iraq. And I have to tell you, she made me think differently. Mm -hmm. Um, She made me own my success. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I learned in the army was that you don't manage your career. Mm -hmm. People end up managing their jobs so much. You need to own your career. You mm. don't just manage it. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that you are doing the right things. I managed my job so well that I got overlooked for promotions mm-hmm. because I wasn't going to the schools I needed to go to. I was ah. getting the awards I was going mm-hmm. to because they didn't want to give me up from being
1: in that mm. job. You were too valuable an asset.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: so instead I got overlooked for promotions. Mm -hmm. So I learned to manage and to own my career, Mm -hmm. knowing that at Anheuser-Busch, I worked for a fabulous woman Mm -hmm. who, um, she kind of helped me grow into my, the acronym that I use the most And the military is all about acronyms, Mm -hmm. but I was called the B word. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that here, but I was called a bitch so Mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. that we decided it stood for boys, I'll take charge here. Ah, mm -hmm. And I had to own it. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. about how I acted. Mm -hmm. It was about knowing that either I'm going to lead or I have Mm -hmm. to follow. Mm -hmm. And so if I have a plan and I want to succeed, then I better be leading.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've talked with several guests recently about imposter syndrome. And, And especially for women who feel like if they're in a leadership position, they have to be just one of the guys, Um, you know, and, and we, you know, we, we wear suits, we do, you know, I've, I've, I mean, I know people, women who deliberately lower their voice, I mean, you know, all sorts of things, and, you know, or, or they go to the extreme, I mean, they, they are the B word, um, you know, because they're going to take charge, how did you find them? you know and, and because uh, you know you clearly were incredibly successful, and I think it's you know not because of those things. it's because you were you. Mm-hmm. I think it was because I was willing to own my own success. okay?
2: I, I don't allow for for those situations mm-hmm. where I place blame in other places. Mm-hmm. You either, you, if you're wrong, you say you're wrong. Mm -hmm. If you're right, stand up for what you have to say. Mm -hmm. I got great advice. The the woman I told you about who ran Bush Creative Mm -hmm. at one point told me, square your shoulders, square your head. Mm -hmm. Too often we have women who talk like this to people. right? Uh And instead, square your head, square Mm -hmm. your shoulders. And if you have something worth saying, say it out loud.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I learned to sit at the table. Mm-hmm. And speak my mind. Now, mm-hmm. the way my mind works, because I tend to be very analytical mm-hmm. in a creative environment, um, I'm not the one who comes up with those big crazy ideas. What I what I do is I set in on the brainstorms and I listen to all those ideas mm-hmm. and I and I pick them and and pull them and kind of massage mm-hmm. them to figure out. From these big, crazy ideas, what is something that can actually mm-hmm. be done, that it can be done for a budget, it can be replicated and have consistent um, throughput and, and consistent mm-hmm. engagement that you have a level of expertise in instead of, you know, Fly by the seat of your pants mm-hmm. and, and pretend, oh, well, just make it work. Mm-hmm. No, there's got to be a plan. And a lot of marketing is about the math.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it, my, my analogy for all of that is think about a Super Bowl commercial that you absolutely laughed or it touched your heart and mm-hmm. you loved the commercial. It's probably an and, Anheuser-Busch one, right? Uh-huh. Probably, but, <laughs> but, but they do it, they tend to do them right mm-hmm. because the next day, when you're trying to explain to somebody mm-hmm. what that ad was, mm-hmm. so often people are like, I can't remember the brand, but mm-hmm. if you remember it was like this and this. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you mean they failed? Mm-hmm. And they're like, but I love the ad. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If you can't remember the brand, mm-hmm. you failed. Right. Marketing isn't about just pretty pictures, mm-hmm. it's about changing buying habits, mm-hmm. it's, it's building awareness mm-hmm. and getting people to, to take that step. Mm-hmm and either buying habits or changing something people do mm-hmm. but whatever it is if you don't remember the brand
1: then they failed right right and and especially if it's a super bowl ad you just wasted millions of dollars oh yes um, you know i still remember and i don't remember it's it's at least probably 20 years ago maybe the, the herding cats ad, and it was, it ran during the Super Bowl, and, and, and we all talked about it afterwards, right? It was so cute, but then exactly what you said, people went, but who was it for? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I know simply because I've, I've looked it up, but yeah, we had no clue. And, and part of that was it, you know, the, the while the concept was fun and it was cute and it clearly got our attention, it, there was no way that it tied in or or it actually did tie in to what the company did but they didn't make it clear as to to what it was and so it's it's EDS and and um you know but yeah we were just confused
2: yeah. so for me I look at the math behind the marketing, Mm -hmm. and that is the least sexy part of it. It's not what any creative Mm -hmm. director wants to talk about. And most brand Mm -hmm. managers, they want to know it's going to deliver, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily think about the numbers. Mm -hmm. And so, perfect example was I worked with a large brand years ago Mm -hmm. that was used to doing a a mobile tour, and it was Mm -hmm. big assets that had, because the assets were so big that they had to travel. Um, to large fairs and festivals. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the product they were selling was meant for a very small age demographic. Mm. And so you pay for every person who goes to the event.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's based on throughput at the event. And if the event is supposed to see 2 million people, then you are paying based on knowing mm-hmm. that 2 million people are going to go. Right. So... Knowing that only 5% of that population would actually purchase your product, mm-hmm. you're paying to see a lot of people right. who won't ever buy. Mm-hmm. The other is if you have it for free, even if you're not going to turn around and buy it, you always want to try something that's mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. And so there is a cost for every sample mm-hmm. you hand out.
1: Right. Yeah. I might not buy that potato chip, but it was free. So I got the potato chip. Mm -hmm. And at that point, anytime you're
2: giving away a sample Mm -hmm. or paying to speak to someone who won't buy your product, Mm -hmm. you're basically throwing away money. Right. Right. And those are profits. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. And you're wasting time and money because you're talking to them, you know, and and all of those things. Yeah. You know, it's, one of the things that that I always tell people when we talk marketing is, you know, the the absolute, you know, one of the very first things you have to do is you have to know who your audience is. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 I love it when I ask that and they always smile sweetly and they say everyone. No. There are very few products or services that that everyone. I mean, you know, Walmart knows who their market is. Starbucks knows who their market is, and you know, yeah, there's some overlap, but you have to look at the that very specific demographic. Um, otherwise, it is it's a waste of time and money, and that's why I think a lot of companies fail. Is you know, they 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 haven't niched down to the the right thing, and and it is it's scary because you're thinking, well, you know, I went from say a hundred the two million people that you were talking about down to two thousand. Well, my gosh, what happened to this? I can't do that math. Well, however many, 1.8 something million people that I just eliminated. Right. You know, and and so that you're thinking, oh, my gosh. But of course, you didn't eliminate them. They self-eliminated. They were going to buy the product anyway.
2: Right. And so what we did instead was we took those big assets, mm-hmm. we made smaller toolboxes mm-hmm. and pulsed out of particular markets. So mm-hmm. we picked four major markets. Mm-hmm. And from those markets, we could probably hit seven or eight other markets mm-hmm. from there. But we cut down travel, mm-hmm. it made it where we were going to much smaller, much more local mm-hmm. and eclectic events, mm-hmm. that targeted on that age mm-hmm. demographic. And so we sampled twice as many people mm-hmm. For a much more targeted demographic, right? And
1: sales sort, mm-hmm. right, right. And of course, what we're talking about is experiential marketing. Um, you know, and and I love that it was it was so funny. I had your website open to that page because I wanted to to make sure that we really discuss it. And it is about you know not just flinging the message on whatever format at whoever. It is it's about you know them experiencing whatever it is. And the experience
2: is different based on the demographics. So Mm -hmm. you were talking about knowing who you're selling to. Mm -hmm. So if you are going to see a senior, Mm -hmm. say, you know, 65 or older, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we know is that you need to talk to them for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. They don't like the quick hit and run they would rather spend a significant amount Mm -hmm. of time with you and really talk to you and feel Mm -hmm. like they know somebody at your company. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at teens and tweens, they want more connection Mm -hmm. more often for very, very Mm -hmm. short periods of time. And they prefer to find you. Right. So, and and the same with millennials, Mm -hmm. they tend to like a little bit of interaction, not a ton. Mm-hmm. They want something exclusive that other people aren't
1: getting an opportunity mm-hmm. for, but they prefer to find you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. You know, and, and finding those right places to communicate with them is is always entertaining. Um, you know, I, I uh, do a lot of work with uh, companies that manage high end senior living communities. Um, oh, last year we were really busy. Um, you know, we we and and so I, you know, I'm I'm posting on Facebook, and I tell them, you know, we need Facebook because Facebook is where someone like me is, you know, because it's you know it's somebody my age, my demographic, who has a parent or two parents who at you know in the in probably the the fairly near future we're going to to need to find a a, a new home for them. And you know and, and so I tell them, you know, it, that's Facebook. And it was funny, I was talking with one of their marketing directors one time. And it was one of those things where and they're no longer with the, the company, um, and, and and but she wanted to know if we were using IG. And I thought about it for a while and thought about it for a while and finally realized she meant Instagram. And it was like, no, we don't use IG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, part of me wanted to say, okay, first of all, it's not Ig. <laughs> well, I, most people call it Ig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and but, um, but yeah, it was the, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, we don't waste our time. You know, we, we don't have a TikTok account. We, now we do have YouTube, mm-hmm. but that's because we do videos of the communities. And, and so, you know, it, it, it has to live somewhere. Um, so we, we've got YouTube, but yeah, you know, it's, it's all about finding the right place for your message.
2: Not only finding the right place for your message, but finding a time where people are receptive to Mm -hmm. hearing your message, right?
1: You know, and 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 that you know that's a definitely a moving target. I mean, especially with say social media, because you know you always have these people who say, "Now the best time to post is at two p.m." You know, sure, maybe you know, but that again, that depends on what it is. You know, if you're trying to reach. Uh, You know, a business person, there may not be online at 2 p.m., you know, 9 p.m. might be the time to reach them. Right. Or if it's a senior executive, Mm -hmm. it might be really early in the morning. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember years ago I worked for the American Cancer Society, and and that was my very first job where I was doing public relations, and and um, you know this was in in Denver, and we had a great relationship with the, the TV stations that that were there in Denver, and you know there was a campaign that we were running on breast cancer awareness, and it was specifically. Targeting younger women because that is you know that and especially at, at that point it was um, you know it was a rising demographic of, of women who were being diagnosed, and so we went to one of the stations and and at that point they had to give away a certain number of uh, ad space you know at, 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 per day, and so they said oh this is such a great thing we want to do it at noon and six p.m. during the news, and we said no, and they were like but that's the best time and we said no. We ended up running our ads at 2 Mm a.m. because we were targeting really, I mean, we really niched down on this one, new mothers. And that was when they were up feeding the kid, the kid, the child, um, the baby, um, and, and we're sitting there watching TV. You know, and and of course, this was long before we had 3,000 3, television channels. Um, but yeah, they were sitting there watching TV at two AM, feeding the baby, and that was when they saw our message. And and of course, you know, we we got a huge return on it because we knew exactly when we needed to be on on you know right in front of them. Yeah, it absolutely. It's about right time, right place, mm-hmm. right
2: message. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. So tell us more about what experiential marketing is. Because we're we're about halfway through the program. So now's a a great time to to talk about that.
2: It's really about taking a brand Mm -hmm. and a consumer and putting them together in some type of branded experience. Okay. So it could be a sports sponsorship activation, Mm -hmm. a concert sponsorship activation. Mm -hmm. It's not just putting logos up on their their banners, Mm -hmm. but actually being on the concourse and engaging with people and sampling mm-hmm. or or being on the stage mm-hmm. at at intermission and putting putting out t-shirts and mm-hmm. talking or having a contest or all of those types of things it can be pop-ups mm-hmm. it can be down and dirty sampling programs mm-hmm. like we do street sampling mm-hmm. um, but it can also be really complicated things like mobile tours Mm-hmm. Where they they turn and twist, and you have a big screen coming out mm-hmm. of them, or you have a big stage on them, mm-hmm. and doing all of those things. Um, one of the most successful I've seen is was a fairly down and dirty program, but it was done in Walmart parking lots, and oh. we built a concert venue in the middle mm-hmm. of a market of a wow of a Walmart parking mm-hmm. lot for Essence magazine. Mm-hmm. And so we would start at three o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and we would go until midnight one o'clock get a little bit of sleep, mm-hmm. finish up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the concert would start mm-hmm. at at noon mm-hmm. and go until 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. and shut it down. And we were off the parking lot by, mm-hmm. by midnight. But in doing that, we'd have five or six different brands. And each of them would have different types of displays going on mm-hmm. within their, their booth space. Mm-hmm. But each of them got time on the stage. Mm-hmm. So we would pick talent to, to either, you know, for the music, for conversations, mm-hmm. for fashion shows, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But it was an amazing opportunity to to bring things to communities and get conversations started. Mm-hmm. But that interaction, all of the brands did really mm-hmm. well with with that type of grassroots mm-hmm. program.
1: Right. Yeah, you know, and, and it's exactly about what you said. It's about getting that conversation started. Um, you know, and and it doesn't it really doesn't matter what it is we buy and we, you know, we, we hear this all the time, no like, and trust, yes. you know, and, and I mean, that's part of why there are celebrity spokespeople, you know, because you're thinking, Ooh, you know, Michael Jordan sells those shoes. Mm-hmm. Right? I think he was really one of the first people who did this. Right. And so, you know, that, you know, that was, I mean, you know, and, and clearly we see it with the Clydesdales, um, yes. you know, it's, it's interesting because their are ads, you know, yeah, they're, the, the beer is kind of there, but it's, it's, in the background, Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, sometimes the beer isn't even there. I mean, you're just seeing the logos and things because we're telling the story of the puppy and, you know, all of those various things, but it's, it's the warm fuzzy that you get from it. And I mean, and and, yeah, Anheuser-Busch has cornered the market on the warm fuzzies. Um, You know, you see their ads and it's always like, oh my gosh. But then when you're in the store, that memory triggers. And when you're picking between the products, it's like, oh, they had the cute puppy commercial (laughs) and you buy their beer,
2: right? But it's also about being authentic. Mm -hmm. So there is a history with the Clydesdales. Right, yes. And the Clydesdales are, Mm -hmm. they actually delivered the first case of beer after prohibition Mm -hmm. to the White House. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's that history. So they Mm -hmm. can authentically talk about Mm -hmm. that. Just like, when I am working with a client who wants to work with a charity, mm-hmm. it's about picking the charity right. and the brand that that live together mm-hmm. comfortably. Mm-hmm. Right. Some some brands aspire to work with certain charities that they're not an authentic. Right, figure. it doesn't match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I was fortunate enough that I worked with Folds of Honor mm-hmm. on behalf of Rite Aid, mm-hmm. and at the time they were also working with Anheuser Busch. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a great pairing. Um, Anheuser-Busch and, and Rite It, of course, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily um, coexist on any signage because
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, was, it was done. That's just kind of a confusing people. message.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, both brands really stand for the same thing mm-hmm. that Folds of Honor does. Mm-hmm. Folds of Honor is a military-focused mm-hmm. charity. It is a national reach mm-hmm. where both of those brands are nationally mm-hmm. reaching brands. Mm-hmm. They are a little blue collar in mm-hmm. some areas. Um, at the same time, progressive in in mm-hmm. others, and very much like like folds of honor. Mm-hmm. Where folds of honor, they are doing great things in the community, um, but it tends to be um, very. Mil- it is all military focused, mm-hmm. but it's also about the children. Mm-hmm. And so, when you start looking through those scenarios. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really nice fit, but it's authentic to both of the brands. Right. That neither of them are a hard re- reach where
1: you're like, mm, I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and you know we're talking about cause marketing, and it is, you know, you have to figure out what that good fit is. You know, I, I mentioned that I worked for the American Cancer Society. We had a company come to us that, in their mind, it made sense. In our mind, we said, Oh no, not so much. Mm-hmm. Hooters. Hooters thought that that would be a very good thing for them to do promotions um, for the American Cancer Society. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, they wanted to, to be working on breast cancer stuff okay. I mean, we could see how they thought there was a tie-in, but, you know, the, the organization, you know, that just really wasn't something that, that we felt comfortable with, but, you know, it, it is kind of those things. And, you know, we certainly said, now, if you want to do it and raise money for us, but not have her name on it, sure. But you know, that was, um, but yeah, you, you have to find out what that good fit is, um, you know, and, and, and it's funny, I've been talking about this with, with my guests also is, cause marketing and, and, and affiliating your business with nonprofits is also a great way for employees to, to very much engage. It's, it's a great way for them to feel like they're part of the community that they're giving back. I mean, you know, we, we hear so much about that's what's important to millennials. It's important to all of us, Um, you know, and, and so we look at things like that, but um, you know, it's, it's just ways to, uh, you know, to, to, to really get your message and, and, but to more importantly, be supportive in the community. And from a PR perspective, which is my background, of course, I always see that as good because you're, you're kind of building that good bank. Um, you know, so if something goes wrong, people are like, Hey, yeah, but these are the people who supported children's hospital or, you know, things like that. And, and so it's, but you know, it always should be a good tie-in though, not just, Hey, you know, this is, this is the flavor of the month or things like that.
2: Brands and their causes need to be better about knowing how to help one mm-hmm. another. Right. One, of the, one of the big misses I see is that I see a ton of charities that are looking to bring in more brands to support their cause, mm-hmm. but they don't understand that if it is a publicly held company, the corporation is required to give value to the shareholders, mm-hmm. which means that there has to be something in it mm-hmm. for them, right. even if they're doing it for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They still need to be able to evaluate what that donation Mm -hmm. gave
1: them. They have shareholders
2: to report to. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if it's private, then even more so, you've got small businesses Mm -hmm. who can't just give and give and give. Mm -hmm. They need something. And in a lot of cases, you can give them that that halo effect Mm -hmm. and elevate them in the community. Mm -hmm. And and one of the best ways of doing that is PR Mm -hmm. and social media. Mm-hmm. By doing a shout out for mm-hmm. for a a brand to shout out and talk about their giving is considered taboo, right? But it's a little tacky. Mm-hmm. It's a little tacky mm-hmm. unless they talk about how honored they are to be associated with right. them because they believe so much mm-hmm. in their cause. So don't mm-hmm. talk about yourself. talk about the the charity. Mm-hmm. And for a charity to thank the brands for partnering with mm-hmm. them for seeing their vision. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things that happen. And if you do those shout outs, and then when you do your galas or your different events, mm-hmm. taking pictures and tagging those people mm-hmm. and tagging the organizations, help them grow.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, it also gives you those matrix, those metrics to, mm-hmm. to then put in your sponsorship deck mm-hmm. for the next year. And right. more people will mm-hmm. want to participate because you can show them what you've done mm-hmm. for other brands. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You know, and, and, Uh, you know, those metrics exist. I mean, you know, and, and there's a variety of, of, you know, things that, that you're reporting on, but it was interesting when I worked for a big company, uh, uh, at that point it was ING, it's a big financial company. I managed the philanthropic budget for the, the Denver site. And, you know, once a year we would accept, uh, requests for, for, uh, partnerships and, but we had very specific guidelines, um, you know, and, and, and it was always interesting because, you know, it's it, our guidelines it, and they they ended up tightening them up because they were too vague. Um, you know, I mean, we supported like an employee's kids soccer team and, you know, and, and all sorts of things. And then finally, it was like, OK, this is a financial company, so maybe we should you know have things that tie back to us. But, you know, it was there. We did say, OK, now we need to see how you're going to spend our money. You know, we're not just going to give you X number of dollars. You know, and and so from the company perspective, we would say, okay, here's the logo. Here's what you will do with the logo. Um, you, it was amazing how many times we had to say, you will not change our logo. Um, you know, and and a variety like you know, we uh, uh, the logo of the company was uh, an orange lion at that point, and we were, I mean. It, made sense to partner with the zoo and they wanted to change the logo i'm like no no you cannot change my logo um and you and they wanted to have actually they wanted to have baby lions and it was like no no can't do that it's very cute but um but you know we had all of these things and and from the you know it it just it, it made sense to have those guidelines because then people didn't get confused, right. um, you know, and, and, but it was, it, it, it established what both sides were expecting, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we, you know, we always ask them, you know, you, here's what you're going to have to give us back. Um, you know, even if it was just, we need pictures, you know, like right. the softball team, you know, when, when we sponsored that, okay, we need to see pictures of the softball team that we can post in the cafeteria. Yeah. You know,
2: one and, of the best programs that I saw as far as cause marketing, was many years ago. I worked on a program that was Capital One and Junior Achievement. Mm -hmm. And Junior Achievement um, went to Capital One. They decided to partner on what they called um, Finance Park. Mm -hmm. And what they did was um, they put together a location within their Junior Achievement space Mm -hmm. That allowed them to invite um, at that time, I think it was middle schoolers Mm -hmm. to come in and they would get a portfolio on on who their what their life was. And they were teaching Mm -hmm. them that based on what they spent on education Mm -hmm. and what their education level was and how many children they had Mm -hmm. and where they went on vacation and how they spent their money on groceries Mm -hmm. and and all these different things, what car they drove. Mm Depend on how much money mm-hmm. they had to buy the necessities right. and then whether or not they had money to save. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was it was beautifully done. Mm-hmm. It taught them how to, to um, keep a checkbook and mm-hmm. and all of those types of things. But then we also built a mobile version of it and took it out on the road. Mm-hmm. But it was a fabulous program mm-hmm. that Capital One could go into schools and talk about finance. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. How brilliant was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it, one of the things, I mean, we're talking about programs that were thousands of dollars, you know, hundreds of thousands in, in some cases, it can be something small too, you know, and, and I mean, that's the thing that, you know, small business owners can can remember is there are some, some things that, you know, as maybe you're the one person in your business, you're the only person. Well, could you be a tutor? Could you, um, you know, could you buy a band instrument? You know, you, you might not be able to, to sponsor the whole orchestra, but maybe you could buy a flute, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and these things. And, and so it's, it's something that, I think, you know, it doesn't matter what the size of the company is. And yes, there is, you know, the altruistic, hey, you know, look what we've done type of, of thing. But again, it's it needs to match what you're doing um with with what your goals and your mission are. Absolutely. For a small business, you know, I have a a nice agency
2: going and I love my team. Mm-hmm. But during COVID, a lot of it was me doing consulting. I mean mm-hmm events went away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things I made a point to do was to do speaking engagements mm-hmm. where I could educate right. small business mm-hmm. owners on marketing. Mm-hmm. Whether I got anything mm-hmm. out of it or not, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It was about giving back.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it at the same time, it allows me to elevate my brand. Mm-hmm. It associates me with other business owners. Mm-hmm. Those are all good things for mm-hmm. business owners. Right.
1: You know, and, and the nice thing is we are coming back, um, you know, with, with things. And and so, you know, it, it's a good time for companies because, you know, I mean, we had for the most part a year yes. where we were down. I mean, you know, here in Atlanta, you know, they started stuff back up in March of 2020. And so, you know, they've they've been having, you know, business events and things like that. But I think many people took that pause to really rethink about, okay, now what are we going to do? And, you know, and, and who are we going to support? Uh, you know, and, and what makes sense, especially going forward with, you know, there are still COVID concerns and, and things like that. And, and so you can't do, at least probably for. You know, a while you can't do the things you did, and and you know, and, and then of course we have you know maybe your workforce is working from home, so you know where you used to do you know maybe go build a, a habitat for humanity home, well that's not going to work. So you know what what is going to make sense? Um, you know, and one of the things that we also learned when I worked for ING was we asked the employees, mm-hmm. what's important to you. And, and we would have them vote every year on, you know, what, what are we going to support this year? And, and they would pick usually three, you know, we gave them, you know, we we'd take the top three and, and we'd say, okay, that's where we're going to focus our money because that's what's important to the employees.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And not just about, it's, it's great when you can involve the employees mm-hmm. and so on, but, but there are also some great types of organizations that just match up with mm-hmm. your business so right. well. I have the privilege of working with Thunder Shirts, Mm -hmm. and Thunder Shirts, coming out of COVID, Mm -hmm. they don't want to go to big events, and totally Mm -hmm. get that. Right. Um, But instead of going to big events, Mm -hmm. they are going to shelters Mm -hmm. and educating shelters Mm -hmm. on their products Mm -hmm. because there are so many dogs with anxiety. Right. Right. And in doing that, they are celebrating the people who have been Mm -hmm. taking care of our puppies Mm when when things shut down and. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, people were were really out looking for dogs, mm-hmm. you know. Pre at the beginning of COVID. Now at the end, they're finding that people are going back to work and they're having issues. Yeah, with and dogs. and
1: the, unfortunately, and, the dogs are being taken back to
2: shelters. And so they're trying to mm-hmm. educate them that there's some solutions mm-hmm. to prevent that from happening. And let us educate you so mm-hmm. that you can educate the people that that have adopted mm-hmm. from you to have a better result. Mm-hmm. Right, and and while yes, it is about their products, it's also about educating mm-hmm. people who need that knowledge mm-hmm. to be able to to take care of our puppies. Right. right,
1: you know, and and you know the the whole thing with thunder shirts, and that's you know a, a product that helps calm them. Um, mm-hmm. You know when and especially you know thunder shirt is kind of you know during storms things like that. But there's you know we were talking before you know, we've got the Fourth of July coming up you know and and so things like that, but. I think that's, you know, one of the things that people who got their COVID puppies, Mm -hmm. you know, now that they are working and and things like that, well, the dogs are getting stressed because you're not home as much and, and all of those things. So maybe rather than taking them back to the shelters, what can you do to help? Exactly. And and
2: that's a big thing they're seeing is, mm-hmm. is they're seeing the separation anxieties are mm-hmm. going back to work. So it's a there are lots of different ways to, quote, market, mm-hmm. um, whether it's cause marketing. It is boots on the ground mm-hmm. at events. If it is holding your own event, mm-hmm. it is um, educating people or delighting them. Mm-hmm in unique locations mm-hmm. like concert tours and and putting on games and mm-hmm. having fun. Um, there are so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, you have to figure out what you want to accomplish mm-hmm. and work backwards. Mm-hmm. Instead of those people who say, oh, let's do this and see what it equates to, mm-hmm. the, the way to handle it is figure out what your end goal is. Mm-hmm. And then we figure out what tactic and what the strategy looks like around that.
1: Right. You know, and, and things have changed. You know, I, I always get a kick out of the people that go, we can't wait for it to get back to normal. Not going to happen. Gonna be normal um, you know, for a variety of reasons. And, and you know, it's it, we are going to be working from home. You know, there are, are some companies that will be 100% work from home companies that will be hybrid, more importantly, events, really, you know, and and we were talking about this before that events are going to be totally different. They're going to be, you know, now the nice thing is we can't, we can get back to in-person, but they might be hybrid. And, you know, so how are you going to deal with the folks that are home who are participating in the event? Um, You know, and and so you really have to rethink all of these things Um, I interviewed and this was, you know, back Probably in in May of last year, um, interviewed this this young woman who they they make cookies and they make good cookies, um, but more importantly, they they do the, the way cool wooden boxes, and you can do um, uh, you can have the the logo and and all sorts of things, and it's just laser printing. I mean, it was the the technology is amazing, but they said one of the things that they really started seeing was people would pre-order the boxes, have the boxes sent to the people who were participating from home, and then they were able to, to you know, enjoy it along with everybody else. Um, we did the same thing with my husband's company just a couple of weeks ago. They would have all been normally at a conference, I'm not doing the conference this year. And so we had a wine tasting. And so they sent us three bottles of wine. They were just the half bottles, whatever. There's some special term for that, but the, the little bottles. <laughs> of three different types of wine and then food. So we had cheese, we had fruits, you know, and, and, and things like that. And then the sommelier from the winery came on. And so we had probably 30 people on the zoom it was way cool because the spouses got to participate and we never would have been able to have done that before. Um, you know, I've, I've, you know, followed the, the winery on my Facebook page. I mean, all sorts of things um, because it was just, it was, but it was somebody saying, Hey, you know, what can we do to still get people engaged and, and do this in a fun way? And it really was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that. And I have, Participated in a few of the wine tastings, Mm -hmm. and they have been done beautifully. Mm -hmm. But when you also look at an industry that's been devastated with COVID, Mm -hmm. when when you walk in, when you have a winery that is Mm -hmm. fairly small, where it's really about foot traffic that they don't have, and you cannot social distance. Mm And this is the best option for them. I really think there's going to be a huge shift Mm -hmm. in how events are done in the future. And Mm -hmm. I think it's it's, there's a big divide between how they're going to be done for business Mm -hmm. versus personal. Mm -hmm. I expect that people want to see each other face-to-face. Oh yeah, I miss people. <laughs> absolutely, there will be some people who will want to do it remotely because mm-hmm. of caution and mm-hmm. medical issues, mm-hmm. and, and and it's the, easier. Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but a lot of people are craving that interaction, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so brands need to move pretty quickly on that mm-hmm. because now is the time. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, as as we move forward. I think people are going to enjoy those events more and think Mm -hmm. about them more and Mm -hmm. not take it for granted. Mm -hmm. But for the business side, when you have corporations who have not had to spend the millions of dollars on travel Mm -hmm. that they've done in the past and know that they Mm -hmm. are still getting the things that they need, Mm -hmm. they're connecting with the vendor partners that Mm -hmm. they need to or the potential clients that they need to, Mm -hmm. by doing it remotely I think a lot of business travel is gonna go
1: away. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, and and I think especially, you know, the 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 type where it was, well, you know, we just went to see him every couple of weeks to check in. Um, you know, I used to do those type of trips every six when I, I worked for an agency in Colorado, every six weeks we flew to Los Angeles because that's where some of our clients were. And it really was to check in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and now that, I mean, now granted this was long enough ago that we didn't have this type of technology, but yeah, you know, when we can do it this way, mm-hmm. it, it saves so much, you know, because we're not having those expenses, the the travel time, we're now sitting in our office working, um, right. you know, all of those various things. And, and even with local things, you know, I, I have not been to an in-person networking event, since February of of 2020, don't know when I'll start going again, but just the time saving alone has been incredible. You know, it's it, because you go to just your basic networking event and it's three ish hours. You know, by the time you have to get dressed, I tell people I really oh, I have to put shoes on. Ugh. Um, <laughs> you know, and and so you know you you get dressed, you drive, you have whatever the food is now. You know, I gotta admit. Georgia catering is always really good, you know, because, you know, all the caterers down here, ooh, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, and, and then you've got the, the program, the whatever it is, then the drive back, then you're changing back. I mean, so you've lost three hours. And one of the things that I keep thinking about is, have I lost business by not doing that? No. I haven't because I have done my networking in a totally different way um, because I'm doing online networking now. Again, I've missed the people. I miss seeing the people in person, but to not have all that other stuff, it's you know I, I can't see that I'm going to, especially at the level that I was doing before. And I think that's you know that's the big thing is we're not we might do it, but it'll be at a much much reduced level.
2: I also think that. People sign up for way more things than they're ever going to attend now. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Where before, if somebody RSVP'd, you mm-hmm. had, you know, there there are statistics on how many people mm-hmm. will actually show up based on the number of people right. you invite. Mm-hmm. And even if you have this many RSVP, this mm-hmm. many would normally show up and then there will be this number that will show up who didn't RSVP. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
2: we need new numbers. Right. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Especially when their things are free, right? Sure. I'll click that button and say I'll be there.
2: And there's a difference between liking it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: saying I'm going to attend, and actually registering for right. it, and then showing up for it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and those analytics are going to be Mm -hmm. really interesting right? because if you get to a certain point of it, you can still capture data Mm -hmm. and put people into, Mm -hmm. into an opportunity where you can still collect Mm -hmm. and and have conversations with Mm -hmm. them. But it is an entirely different world. When Mm -hmm. you post something, you have 400 people say they're going to come and you have three who actually attend. Right. And you're like,
1: what the heck? Mm -hmm
2: because you know yeah. you promoted it because people people said they wanted to be there mm-hmm.
1: then you have to figure out differently how do you entice them to actually show mm-hmm. up right and and especially if that if you're doing that from a business perspective because you're trying to get your message out there you're trying to you know get new clients i mean all of those various things so yeah we are going to have to rethink how we're doing this mm-hmm.
2: But even personally, like if I am supposed to meet one of my girlfriends for a glass of wine, mm-hmm. we would never dream of standing them up. Right. But to mm-hmm. to plan on a handful of us meeting on a, a Zoom call or a mm-hmm. Skype call for us to reconnect, mm-hmm. people don't think twice of not showing up. Right. Or sending, you know, hey, something's come up. <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> Because normally I would have already been sitting at the Mm -hmm. restaurant Mm -hmm. and nobody show up. So Mm -hmm.
1: guys, you know, that would only happen once or twice. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So cool. Well, oh my gosh, Sheila, we, this is so much fun. We've only got about five minutes left. So please tell us about your company and the services that it provides.
2: Okay. Well, I really have two facets of my business. Mm-hmm. One of them is totally the experiential marketing. Mm-hmm. It is face to face. It is big, crazy, fun programs, mm-hmm. or it can be really grassroots and mm-hmm. and very targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of my business, I do what is called a fractional CMO. Mm. So,
1: oh yeah, we didn't we, even talk
2: about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, um, what normally happens is is that the biggest thinking normally goes to the big brands. Mm-hmm. They have full-time CMOs. Mm-hmm. And so the smaller brands or the smaller companies end up with with lower level folks who are managing the day-to-day functions or tasks, mm-hmm. but not necessarily giving it the thought process right. that that they need to grow. And mm-hmm. they're the ones who need it the most. Mm-hmm. So what we do is is that I work with multiple companies to oversee their marketing. Okay. To sit in with them when they're Mm -hmm. doing their strategy meeting Mm -hmm. to help find find the resources that they need. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily do the day-to-day tasks. Cool. I love it. Well, how do they find you? So I have a website, which is MogXP. Mm -hmm. Um, I am on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. And I'm on
1: Instagram. And I'm on Twitter. Perfect. I love it. You know, and, and on your website, you've got a ton of great information um, and, and many, many examples of what you have done. And, and so that's what I always love is because people are thinking, this sounds great, but. <laughs> you know? And so by showing examples, it's, it's a great way to, you know, for people to think. And, and then they can think, okay, well, we can't do it that big, but it can be scaled down or, you know, hey, what if we do this a little bit differently? So I love examples.
2: I work with really small companies Mm -hmm. and really large companies, like top top 10, Mm -hmm. Um, but you look at them the same way. The process is Mm -hmm. still the same. Mm -hmm. It is the backwards process Mm -hmm. of looking at the goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. What do you want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And then you figure out what's the strategy Mm -hmm. and then what are the tactics we're going to use to accomplish that?
1: Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, Sheila, this truly has been a delight. I can't wait to do it again because I think this is very important for any size business to to really be thinking about. Um, But until then, do you have any final thoughts for us?
2: For me, it is really about understanding that marketing isn't just pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. There has to be math to the marketing. Before you spend a dollar of marketing, Mm -hmm. of your marketing budget, know where that dollar is being spent and what should you expect in return.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. I love it. I love it. Well, I've been having an absolutely fascinating discussion with Sheila Rondo Steinmark of XP. And until next time, everyone have a great day.